welcome to the Common Briefing Program. It is a Common Geeking Program spinoff where each month a few of us from CGP share the latest stories that we feel are the most important and impactful for geeks around the world. I'm your host, Colin Ketchin, and recapping the month of April 2019, I am joined by... Fight for it. Uh. <laughs> and nobody, 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 wants to, nobody wants to go. I'm joined by two people, the first of whom is... Me. Chowder. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Time Old Chowdery, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Hey, I'm Matt Canavan. <laughs> I think every, I like month, a- every month when I record this, <laughs> I, I realize I've shot myself in the foot by saying this is a more relaxed podcast because it gets too relaxed and nobody really does anything. This happens every time. If, um, if I relax too much more, I'll pee myself, so... <laughs> <laughs> then you've got other problems. I mean, you tell us to fight for it, and like, I feel like if you didn't tell us to fight for it, we wouldn't. You're right. I'm giving you a bit of tonal whiplash. I say to relax, and then I try to rile you up. Like, I, yeah. should, I should know better. This is my fault. <laughs> You gotta whip us. You gotta whip. So we have up to one hour to give you the news. Uh, We will take turns telling you our hottest headlines before we each vote for the top story of April 2019. So the way this is going to work, this isn't like regular CGP where we have topics and domains. Each of us has a couple geek headlines that we're going to bring up and discuss. And we're going to go in the order of myself, then Chowder, then Matt. Uh, before we jump in, it is a sleepy, uh, sleepy Monday night. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. I just had a bunch of hibachi and ice cream. I have a full tummy. I, um, I just had a burrito, have... so I'm good, too. <laughs> See, that also sounds good. Wait, hibachi burritos. Hibachi burritos? <laughs> no, tell me that that's Wait. not one of the greatest ideas you've ever heard of. I'm more concerned about how you're going to you... fl- like land the burrito in the pocket, which I... sounds like a very different thing. Hey. Those guys are fucking magicians, okay? <laughs> I want to see a hibachi burrito. You yeah. see the little man like Pizasaki? <laughs> that's true art right there. <laughs> well, that's the thing is a lot of the foods that you're manipulating in a hibachi go into a burrito just with different seasoning. Yeah, I really want to try hibachi burrito, man. All right, let's do it. We're shutting down the podcast and putting our money into something that might actually be profitable one day. <laughs> uh, see, the common briefing program is now the common burrito program. <laughs> Yes. Pat actually wants to start a podcast called The Common Beefing Program, so you might have a lawsuit <laughs> on your hands. Oh, let's do it. I am actually in the middle of eating a dinner that I've cooked. I will do my best to edit out the slops and sounds. Um, but here we go. We're going to get started. So my name is Colin Ketchin once again, and I'm going to go first. So we're going to talk about, in April 2019, the piece of media that I think has really taken the world by storm. Largest impact go- coming from a very long-running, basically, storytelling franchise that's kind of built up to a scale nobody's ever seen, which is, of course, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 finale. You know, you, you had me on a platter there, and you, you served me, dude. I just got served. <laughs> he had us in the first half. Not gonna lie. <laughs> so, I'm gonna get pretty spoilery with Star Trek Discovery Season 2, which for my co-stars, I'm sure is not a problem. I'm, like, the only one here watching Star Trek Discovery. For any listeners who might want to watch, if you're spoiler-averse, you should stay away from this, but I will say Season 2's ending is not so much ruined by spoilers. Um, It's nice to be surprised, but I think the ending of Season 2 is, for the first time, adhering to the cliché boldly going where no man has gone before. So Star Trek Discovery uh, premiered in 2017. It is on CBS All Access streaming service, and a lot of fans are angry. They were angry that they have a black female lead, which is dumb. They're angry that you have to pay to get it, which 
I get that, but Star Trek has me by the balls, so I pay for it. They're angry that it sort of dances around inside the canon and, and violates some rules. They say that it's dumb that they have touchscreen computers in the same time period where James Kirk had light brights. I'm like, well, that's because in the 60s, they only had light brights and they didn't have touchscreen computers. So I think that's dumb too. But they wrapped this up with a fucking bow. If you'd like to avoid Star Trek Discovery Season 2 spoilers, skip ahead to 9 minutes and 10 seconds. So this, the whole season predicated on the idea of there's this mysterious entity that they call the Red Angel that's flying around showing up where they don't belong, creating these space-time portals, and they're like, what the hell is the deal? And there's these, like, red signals that appear throughout the galaxy, and they're like, oh shit, are we under attack? So the through line of the season is they're investigating all these appearances and things like that. By the end of the season, the twist turns out that the main character is, to, to some degree, responsible for the Red Angel stuff, which... If you, if you predict it at the beginning of the season, you'd be disappointed with that, but honestly, they handle it in a way that is pretty rewarding. Where I was like, I hope they don't fucking do it. And then they did it. And I'm like, all right, you had me in the first half. Not going to lie. <laughs> so the end of the season, uh, the, the there's an AI threat. And I think it's an interesting take on an AI threat that could have been a little more baked. But um, with some of the behind the scenes drama, I think they did as well as they could, as I've seen how that effect shows. Uh, the idea is there's this AI that if it gets a hold of Starfleet stuff, it's going to become sentient and kill everybody. And they're like, well, that's no good. As sentient AIs usually do in fiction. Indeed. And and possibly real life. Yeah, it's season two finale, a special guest appearance by Arnold Schwarzenegger as Terminator and Star Trek finally merge. But this this AI, they have the technology. You're not memeing me right now. I'm memeing you right now. No, this did not actually happen. Absolutely not. But there are parallels between Skynet. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't say these things in your presence. All right. You're going to hear Matt sadly exhale for the next 45 minutes. Um. But basically, their answer is, we can't defeat it. We have the technology to throw it into the future. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the shit that it needs because it's isolated to one ship, and we're going to throw it 950 years into the future. And that's what they fucking did. So they just made it somebody else's problem. No, they took it. Like, the entire, like the crew stayed on the ship and said, we're going to send it so far in the future that like by the time your present rolls around to that future, this AI will no longer be a problem. That is actually pretty clever. I love this ending because one, it it completely upends the premise of the show and it gets them out of the canon. They're no longer in the time period of Kirk. They're in a time period where no Star Trek show has literally gone before. So they can do whatever the hell they want. They have a super powered ship with extra information. They have a limited cast. So it's not going to become like Game of Thrones like it did in the first season where it's all over the place and like talking to all these different people and it's all conspiratorial. We're getting to an adventure that is unexpected and has information we'd never seen before. And meanwhile, in the present, they brought back Spock and Captain Pike in the USS Enterprise, and they did a bang-up job to the point where fans are like, just give us a show about that. And now the executive producer and all the actors are like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, no, uh, that, that actually sounds interesting to me, because, like, uh, you know, my one complaint about Discovery is that it's basically just a little too nostalgic and, like, kind of lives in, like, mm-hmm. the 60s version of Star Trek. And, yep. I don't know, Star Trek is kind of about, like, envisioning what the future would look like, and I kind of want yes. what today's vision of the future would look like. And Yes, and I, I think a lot of fans agree with you. Generally, while the season... Season two has gotten positive, like mixed to positive reviews overall, but generally people are saying that finale is the right way to go because we're surprised. We don't see them. We know they land in the future, but we don't see them at all. 
And I, for the first time in a while, I'm like, what the hell is Star Trek going to do next? And we're getting some stuff, but we're getting new shows with Captain Picard, which is also in the future. Yeah, that, that, are, that, that I am hyped for, because I, I like me some Picard. Yeah, it, it'll, be nice, <laughs> it'll be nice to see him go in a new direction, and it messes with some canon from the J.J. movies that I think is actually really clever. Um, but we're getting that later this year. We're going to get Discovery. We're getting an animated show by the one of the writers of Rick and Morty. And it's going to be big, but for the first time... Who's writing it? Uh, Michael McMahon, I think? Uh, Not Roylander Harmon, uh, one of the other writers. But basically, Star Trek... Uh, the whole season, I'm like, they better end this and do something crazy that I don't expect, and they did. It was a beautiful finale. I don't know how, like, I don't know how much money they threw at that final episode, but the the visuals are insane. The acting is amazing, and I think we're finally going to get stories that aren't bound by all these complaints that people have about the show. We're going to see something new, and I'm okay spoiling that here because for the people who aren't interested in Discovery, I think the show is going to grow the beard, as Star Trek fans say it's it's going to do something new and interesting and it's going to become its own thing and i'm super fucking excited for that now one last thing we're recording this on april 29th happy birthday dad oh fuck i should text him (laughs) uh we're recording this on april 29th and today chowder sent me some information about sonic the hedgehog uh, we have gotten our first <laughs> official image, leaked but confirmed image, of Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. For you in the future who may have seen more than us, as we expect a trailer between this recording and the airing of this episode, we'll see what else happens. But if you look up that first image of Dr. Robotnik, you will understand my pause. Wait, did you, did you throw, was this the one that was in the chat earlier? Yeah, yeah that picture of Jim Carrey with red and black goggles and a porn stash. We are going to pause this for a second while <laughs> I go look at porn Carrey. <laughs> porn Carrey. <laughs> porn Carrey. The Hedgehog Man. Colin, I'm gonna be real with you. Oh fuck! I, Colin, oh my! Colin, I'm gonna be real with you. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly kind of excited for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie because it's gonna be such a train wreck. It's gonna be such a train wreck. I'm expecting nothing less. I do think it's going to be a tra- I think that they might do the thing like, <clears throat> I'm wondering if it's going to turn up like Venom, where the movie is a disaster start to finish, but there's some shit in there that's really good. <laughs> like one or two things in there that you're like, you got a really good idea and you built a pile of turds around it. <laughs> well, yeah. But it, I really do expect it to just be such a slog. Like with Venom, I unironically like that film, even oh, though it's bad. Yeah, even though it's bad. I'm expecting to like enjoy Sonic the Hedgehog as a so bad it's good. It, it's a different, it's a different kind of yeah, life i'm expecting it to be masochistic viewing for me <laughs> but we'll see i think it could be fun i'm gonna give him some leeway i'm not a purist by any means but sonic the leg day hog every day is leg day <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm pretty happy that I got to talk about Star Trek and Sonic in the same episode, but that's enough for my fan service. One day we'll have a Star Trek and Sonic crossover. Chowder, do you have any? Do you have any other earth-shattering properties to discuss? Uh, yeah. So the first uh, first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, more video game studios being evil fuckwit or corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let me tell you. There, there was a lot of that this this month. Like, yeah, I could have made I could have made my section just five instances of that, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't have covered all of it. Are you like, talking about Epic or are you talking about Riot? I'm talking about Riot. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Go ahead. Okay, so this the first article is from Kotaku. Uh, it is called Riot Files Motions 
to block current employees from taking legal action by mm-hmm. Cecilia D. An- Anastasio. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Uh, uh, basically, a few months ago, employees uh, filed loss about uh, uh, gender discrimination, uh, sexual harassment, and just overall inappropriate behavior. How inappropriate? Like one... Uh, one of the uh, one of the higher up farted in a female employee's face. Oh, Someone this, did that to me when was, I worked at Apple. This was originally reported like about a year ago. I think uh, Kotaku was re- uh, reporting it as. So now this is uh, you know after you know Riot, Riot has tried to you know PR the whole um, mess, and uh, now it, apparently they're kind of uh, you know the the way they're handling it is totally inappropriate. But I apologize for interrupting. Yeah. No. No, no, that's no problem. Uh, what this article is saying is that uh, basically, despite Riot saying, oh, we take these allegations seriously and we will do everything to address the issue. Nah, they're just uh, 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 they're trying to uh, stop the employees from filing the lawsuit and just keep it out of court uh, away from any judges, any uh, anybody. There was a comment from an executive that said, like, maybe we should we should reexamine our policy about avoiding you know legal action against us by employees in our ndas and such and i'm just like yeah you should are you gonna you gonna back that up with any action and the sad thing is they they said the same thing a year ago when you know people came out with those they don't back it up because all the yeah they don't back it up because all the biggest offenders are still working there so yeah and uh there's uh, just today there is a uh, another article that came out same uh same uh writer cecilia de <laughs> Riot employees plan walk out to protest company blocking lawsuits. Uh, basically, basically these employees are planning a, a protest and, you know, just do what you can to support them, I say. And the next thing I want to talk about was a, an indie game called Escape Chasm. This, uh, this game came out in, on April the 2nd and uh, it's made by Temi Chang, who uh, you may know from her work with Undertale and Deltarune. That's why I know that name. Okay. Yeah, she she uh, did did a uh, did like art and stuff for it. Uh, or she's done a few animated shorts that she's done on her YouTube. But uh, this game is uh, uh, made by her, and it's about an hour long, and it's feels like a teaser for something bigger. Uh, it's about this uh, girl who, when she go goes to sleep, she goes she goes into this dreamland where everything is colorful. And- bright and beautiful and when she's awake she's in she's kind of alone in her own house because her parents have gone somewhere as the game goes on uh she finds out that her parents aren't coming back because they got uh something happened to them oh what exactly and uh and basically this demon from that dream world she goes to she goes to when she sleeps says i can help you find your parent you can come to this dream but in doing so you will forget your life real world so she decides to take the risk and uh, mm. and uh, basically the game leaves off on her entering that dream world. That sounds like the beginning. Yeah, that doesn't sound like an ending. That does sound like a like we got a Kickstarter campaign on the way. Yeah, and and the and the amazing thing is this game is made in RPG Maker. Uh, for those of you that don't know, RPG Maker is a sort of game engine that uh, that's uh, kind of kind of uh known for like being used by like beginners because it's very easy to learn and pick up but it's also kind of rigid and unflexible uh and and it's crazy because like hemi has managed to like do a lot with with uh rpg maker like the opening scene is like 
this uh, beautifully animated sequence where it's like wonderfully colorful and like it's kind of like how sometimes you'll see real art in minecraft and you're like how the hell did they do that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and it's like just not something you see in an rpg maker game yeah it feels like rp or it just seems like rpg maker shouldn't be able to do that and no, that's cool yeah and like it's full of like all these big touches like uh uh, like you can have your character uh watch TV, and like when she watches TV, it'll like show, uh, it'll like have like little animatics of what what is what she is watching. It's not as uh animated as like that opening sequence, but it's still like wow, that like it's a lot of uh work, and it's very somber. It's very well written, and I'm just excited to see what comes next and yeah. and the cool thing is you can download it now it's free so that's what I was about to ask yeah is that just like on steam i'm guessing uh it's on itch.io i'll i'll send a link to it because yeah yeah we'll put that link in the description if you want because that sounds pretty interesting sweet yeah it, and it's only an hour long so it does it won't take you that long so chad you'd be fucking surprised so chad uh chad chowed apparently uh so chowder i actually want to um i want to tag on one thing on on top of your first topic i should have snuck it in earlier but i didn't realize you were going to hard pivot tonally from workplace abuse to beautiful indie game (laughs) (laughs) but um kind of like a a nice thing that's happening well first not nice is epic has had an issue epic the studio that created gears of war and most notably fortnite battle royale they didn't expect Fortnite to be a hit, and they're trying to update it regularly, and it's the biggest game in the world, and they have, like, serious crunch and burnout issues that never end. Yeah, exactly. Because the game the game can't let up. You have 200 million active players a month. And, and like... Uh, That's ne- massive. And, like, NetherRealm Studios, uh, the guys who make uh, Mortal Kombat, or Mortal Kombat 11 recently released, uh, it's just come out that they put their work employees through, like, 100-hour work weeks. It's And that's... We just heard about Red Dead Redemption as well, so it's been pretty bad across the board, but there is one thing that in contrast to to epic i think is very good and i think a lot of people need to follow is apex legends which i talked about two briefing programs ago apex legends um the is by respawn entertainment who all who works for ea they're an ea company and uh they make titanfall and apex legends is basically a titanfall spinoff it got 50 million players in a week which is fucking insane and people have been complaining like oh well the game is dwindling they don't put out content as regularly as fortnite so its population is not as saturated anymore and the guys who had respawned vince sampella and the other folks uh they were like yeah we're gonna put out content releases like once a season which is every few weeks or months because we don't want workplace burnout we want this to be a fun thing to work on and we want this studio to be a healthy place to be and i'm like that's fucking amazing that's respectable i respect that i i respect that because look it, it, it ain't worth it if like uh employees have to be hurt in order to like make content content ain't, or a game ain't worth it if people have to like break their hands for it or something in the words so. of, of of uh the honorable judge john hodgman if it's not fun for everybody, it's not fun for anybody. And workplace abuse in games needs to be looked at because people buy the games, they're not looking at that sort of stuff and we shouldn't support it. Um, and Epic, I think they were dealt a good and a bad hand at the same time. And I think Respawn's handling it a bit better. Yeah, I, I do think there are certain parallels between what Epic is going through now and what Riot went through when League of Legends first initially became like the big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, That is now like, you know, is a very a, a small indie company uh, that 
you know, you know, basically became they were they weren't prepared to become like you know this global um, and you know now they're they're dealing with you know basically becoming they're they're basically trying to handle being that big name company and actually trying to get their priorities straight. You know, yeah, no, that that's all I have. Well, actually, Matt, this is a, I'm, I'm happy to hear you take the reins in the conversation because it is now your turn to share your news headlines from April. And I feel like we're missing something big. So I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We're all- well, the latest Minecraft update just got pushed out. The village and pillage update, which has been a fucking blast and I love it. Okay, you got to you got to tell me about this. I saw one ad for this on Facebook and I like sort of smirked and kept scrolling. So give me the deets. Okay, so little prequel knowledge. I love Minecraft. I hate that I die every 10 minutes and I literally rage quit every single time. <laughs> this happens maybe every couple months. Yeah. Um, and then I come back to it. So then <clears throat> I guess uh, they released this update, the village and pillage which was a major update that was themed around revamping the villages and, you know, the villagers and adding additional characters, um, the pillagers, um, within that update. So now in each biome, they created, um, you know, different themes behind uh, their villages. So, you know, you basically have, um, you know, like all the architecture or the way like things are uh, decorated in the villages. Um, they're based on that biome. So in the desert, they have like little cactuses in their windows. Um, <laughs> like in the forest, like they have like little flowers and they have like vines all over their little huts and stuff. It's actually adorable and it's a ton of fun. Nice. Um, <clears throat> and now on the flip side, the pillagers, um, they are basically bandits that come through uh, like randomly and you basically have to protect the village from them, which is pretty fun because you have you basically run into town. You ring the bell to warn everyone. Everyone, you know, runs that's back to their dope. houses, except for the one guy that's stuck in the seaweed and just spinning in circles. <laughs> <laughs> do, the, do the pillagers look like uh, fleshy squidwards, too? Or Yes. Not, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. They look they look kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like, I I have been having a ton of fun. Um, just kind of running around and just exploring the villages. Um, it, it actually does feel like it added a whole like uh, different level of character to uh, to a game that's been out since like forever. There's no sort of like mob coordination like in Minecraft. It's always like you're you always have everybody attacking you, but there the stakes are just survive. It's cool to have a secondary objective yeah. baked into the game, and it's yes. still emergent. It's still procedural. Yeah, and that that that's cool. I've I've I feel like that's the I. I've, I have felt Minecraft is stagnant for a while, but with the headlines that this and the aquatic update have made, I think it's, I think yes. Microsoft and Mojang are doing some pretty good shit. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, to like, to go back. I'll probably little... still just trap all the villagers in their houses so that they don't get killed. Well, see, here's the thing. Part of the update means that it actually fixed the stairs, which means that, you know, you don't have random village houses that are just kind of floating in midair with stairs that are on the wrong side of the house. <laughs> um, and there's also. Thank God the... those city planners needed to get fired oh my god you have no idea they thank god they unionized Um, (laughs) also low-key the biggest highlight of the update is the little nomad that travels around with his llama and his llama is wearing a jacket nice and it is awesome wait is it kind of like the like you know middle southern american styled sort of exactly like like, like, like afghan sitting on the back of it like the little knitted blanket yes that's fucking amazing right hang on i'll, I'll send a picture afterwards but yeah, yeah no that's um 
big big fan of it. Uh, it's I, I need to play it more now that it's like like totally cross platform except for fucking PlayStation. Uh, and it is uh like there's no like Xbox and PC version. It's just Minecraft mm-hmm. is Minecraft across the board. I should really like get into it more, especially because like I could be playing it on my Xbox instead of my Mac. Do Do you want to play on my server? I built a server. Chatter, do you want to play Minecraft with us on Matt's server? Uh, yes, I would. I would like that. The The name of the server is Canavan's Christian Fortnite server. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you fucking serious? I'm 100 percent serious. <laughs> wrong are you memeing me right now would i would i meme you don't answer that all right do you want me to scroll through the shrek attachments you've set to our fucking planning chat every time that we start to plan an episode i'm like hey i'm ready to record and chowder's like hey i'm ready to record and this is the i think this chat we i didn't make a chat this time because i knew if we did matt would just be like here's eight thousand gifts of shrek and (laughs) i don't know it's not that i don't need it in my life I think I just I need some time. I need some time away from Shrek. Blasphemy. So it's Colin. funny because the uh, there's the swamp villages, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> which I've yet to find, but I you hear just, it's going to be. Do great. You just get a torch and just run in there and start typing. Get out of my swamp. Set it all on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that would be giants, actually. Okay, my bad. My cultural insensitivity within the fictional now, ogres, they'll, they'll spoon your eyes out and eat them. They're quite good on toast. Anyways. I did this. I opened the door to Shrek. I should close it. Let's, I'm going to close that door. Uh, actually, and I'll hold the door closed <laughs> with some Game of Thrones talk. Uh, ch- has any of you, Chad, you watch Game of Thrones, right? I've seen uh, the first few seasons, but uh, you can spoil it. I, I, I have don't, seen, I don't, I've I don't seen seasons one, two, and six, but not the finale of six. So good enough. So <laughs> Game of Thrones, the final season, eighth season, uh, has been underway. Uh, this past Sunday, the 28th, uh, was episode three. Now, they... Are we getting into spoiler talk here? I will talk around it. I will not give a lot of spoilers. Okay. Just in case you so, guys decide to go so back. So for folks listening now, for big spoilers, I am going to edit something in right here telling you where you can skip to if you really don't want to watch it. But if you care, I'm sure you've watched it. Matt, back to you. Okay, wonderful. So basically... um, you know, there's there was a little bit of flack for the first two episodes um, because they seem to be, uh, you know, the the pacing was just very very slow and not a lot happened. And you know, for a lot of people, the draw of the show is you know boobs. the big intricate boobs, dragon boobs, and dragons. I was gonna say dragons, <laughs> dragon but, boobs. Uh, teach their <laughs> the newest Family Guy had a had a cutaway that was like, and now back to boob dragons, and it has a <laughs> dragon with tits, and the tits are blurred out and they're huge. I I was watching it at work, I died laughing. You know, it's funny because I actually have a drinking game with uh, Game of Thrones, blood, boobs, and beer. Every time you see one, drink. <laughs> but yeah, so there was a little bit of flack for, uh, you know, that the, the, people felt like that the episodes were, uh, you know, dragging along too slow. They were dragging? Ah. Please. <laughs> Please. Um, and, but, you know, then you have like the other side of the crowd who felt like, you know, it's been like a year and a half since, you know, we've had Game of Thrones. Mm. We needed that little bit of, uh, you know, like an episode or two to kind of wean back into yeah. the world of Westeros, uh, you know, to, you know, kind of understand what's going on, like with the politics, what's going on with setting up for the, imp- like the coming invasion. And now, finally, like this 
this past Sunday was uh, one of the biggest and darkest, uh, and I mean that in the literal sense. Yeah, I saw some screenshots. <laughs> um, you gotta, you gotta have your contrast set. Keenan uh, was high. telling me about it. It was almost impossible for him to wa- see it because it's that dark. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing though, because you would think like everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna have like this casual battle out uh, outside, and it's you know the sun is shining, you know, not a cloud in the sky. No, it's fucking war. You know, yeah. you'd think that there's gonna be like fucking smoke and shit, especially if you got a dragon flying around or three. Um, mm. Spoiler alert: There's three. Dragons. There wouldn't be that much smoke in medieval warfare. But dragons. But dragons, yeah. True. But dragons. But dragons. <laughs> oh, God. But dragons. Family guy, you're welcome. I enjoyed the previous episode just because it it, it was very satisfying, I think, for me personally. Um, I do think that it did lack a certain amount of gravity because, spoiler alert, none of the, like, the real big, big names died. Yeah. It was a lot of like the more minor characters, um, but all who... They they served their purpose and then their watch ended. Uh, but I it, that has been uh, that's what I, what I've been up to for the past three weeks. That's pretty dope. Yeah, as someone who doesn't patronize Game of Thrones, I am one amazed at how little people care about spoilers for Game of Thrones. They'll post fucking anything. <laughs> uh, so like, I feel like I have a generally pretty good outline of Game of Thrones, and that's the second thing I'm amazed about. Is even though I don't watch it. I feel like I'm along for the cultural ride. Yes. I'm just confident in my ability to forget spoilers, so... Now, if only I could think of another... Nothing else in nothing else in April. No, nothing else that has Absolutely to do with none. spoilers or uh, yeah, no, it's just, hmm. it's been a very uh, slow slow month for our uh, movies. So some good, some bad. I would say it's perfectly balanced. I did <laughs> I did see a movie this past weekend. Uh, it's starring uh Sean Sean Gunn as the motion capture for a raccoon, but that raccoon is voiced by Bradley uh, yeah. Cooper. <laughs> I think Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Yeah. Yeah, you know the classic. Robert Downey Jr. Sean Gunn friend around spoilers spoilers um, spoiled it <laughs> so spoiled it. um we spoiled would not it. we would not wrap up this April conversation without a healthy dose of, dose of talking about Avengers Endgame now I'm gonna put 10 minutes on the clock for us uh so but we're gonna have a spoilery discussion because the three of us are are just now talking for the first time since seeing the movie If you'd like to skip Avengers Endgame spoilers, skip ahead to 46 minutes and 28 seconds. I want to get this off my chest first. I'm so disappointed that they didn't go through with Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) The the Russo brothers went on record saying that, like, of all the crazy fan theories, they're like, that's the one that, like, I think Anthony Russo was joking around. He's like, if that theory had come out, like, a couple years earlier... We'd be looking at a very different movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they have to look at start looking at movies like Deadpool for inspiration. The rated R, it does it works. I mean, like I I'm pretty sure there's like a what, rated R for R. I think like Disney Plus is gonna make like a Marvel What If series where it's just like they are. Yeah, they 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 are. So you know, you got a second chance. What they if? <laughs> What if Thanos? What if Thanos? Okay, so serious thoughts on the movie. Uh, first thing, yes or no, we're going to start small and then we're going to dive into it, much like Ant-Man. Uh, like or dislike? 
I, I really liked the movie. I, uh, I, I was, uh, I was satisfied. I, I felt like the movie gave what I wanted and I ultimately came out of the movie with a feeling of like catharsis. Like, uh, I mean, I'm so fucking split. I, I, I do agree. There was a certain amount uh satisfaction you know kind of seeing everyone's uh stories finally come to an end you know their character arcs completing also dad bod thor <laughs> i um, fucking yeah, love fat exactly. thor However, so much. like unironically i think it's one of the best decisions they made oh 100 like the fact that um who is it chris hemsworth he's like yeah i just want this to be like a less serious character yeah but um, part, part of and me, they part actually of were okay like, with it like part of me was like thor what happened to your beautiful body on the other on the other hand it makes perfect sense right dude was horribly traumatized he lost everyone he ever loved of course you're gonna develop an eating disorder so then what are the what are the things that, that have you split on it matt um mostly i i just can't get over the way that they handle black widow for me mm. it just felt so abrupt the the dying on vormir like yes she's always talking about how she wants to get over um you know with the kind of stuff that she used to do in her past and that's partially why she said she joined shield um to try to you know redeem herself and i suppose her sacrificing herself spoiler alert uh-huh. was the best thing that she could have done when you know granted it worked how convenient but I don't know. It, it just it just left me with a weird taste in the back of my tongue. I don't know if any of you guys like. So felt I'm, the same I way. fall somewhere between you guys. Yeah, like the mo- the the moment itself, I liked. I like like the whole Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow fighting to who deter fighting each other, determine who gets to sacrifice them. I I think I've come to the conclusion through rewatching it because I've seen it twice now and through. Uh, like reading some stuff about it. I think I've come to the conclusion. I find that to all, I, I might agree with you. That's one of the weaker parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I do love, uh, I, I like how they play the moment with Hawkeye and Black Widow, like fighting about who's going to sacrifice themselves to get the soul stone. Mm-hmm. But like, if you think about it, they're kind of making light of like a race to suicide that has like serious implications about the redemption arcs of their characters. Right. And right. it also kind of feels I don't know. I I feel like, and this gets to one of my bigger complaints about not just Endgame, but all the Russo Brothers Avengers films, including Civil War. Um, There's been a complaint since Civil War. And and I should say, I like Avengers Endgame a lot. I think it is a miracle that it is as good as it was. I think the time heist was brilliant and fun. Uh, Time heist, yeah. Um, And I think think every actor in that movie brought their fucking A-game. Yeah. And it surprised me multiple, multiple times. But there's an issue I have with the way that the Russo brothers write and direct these movies, and I'm going to compare it to Avengers and Age of Ultron, where Whedon, Joss Whedon, wrote and directed those, um, where I think that I think that the, the method of writing character arcs by beat, like the characters have beats. That's how they get all these characters into the same movie. It's efficient because in each movie, each character has like one or two or three moments where you understand a little bit about them, and then you have to sort of connect the dots between them. I think it is necessary, a necessary evil when you have all these characters in one movie, and I thought that for Civil War, and I thought it again for Infinity War, and I'm like, when they get to a movie where they can have a smaller cast, we're going to see them get more arcs. We're going to hear explanations of motivations. We're going to see the pathos of these characters. And then Mm -hmm. Endgame gives us that movie where we're focusing on a much smaller group of characters and we still get that same beat-based character development to the point where Iron Man, spoiler alert, again, sacrifices himself at the end of the movie. He says, I'm Iron Man, snaps his Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet, and dies. That was a badass moment, by the way. It was so badass. It comes back to the movie in, in such a great way. But 
it only works in the context of the franchise, and it doesn't really work in the context of the movie. Yeah, because yeah, we, but we, like it, but like the movie is the end point, end point yes. of like a bunch of other movies. So and that's where it, that, it, it, it's like watching the third movie in a trilogy and being like, well, that didn't lead up to yeah. that. You no, know? no, no, no. And, and to that end, that's why I think the movie is a success and why I like it a lot. But I look at the way that they handle these characters and I look at the way Joss Whedon handles them and he gave the characters pathos. He explained their mentalities and their motivations. So so, so I think that's the hard way to do it. And I think that's part of why Ultron was messy. So I think that the Russos and Marcus and McFeely, the writers, take the easy way out. And that's why we get these movies that work on a technical level better than they ever should. But mm-hmm. I find myself missing the movie where we get more to these characters because even in Endgame we could have had uh, revisiting Tony Stark saying like I'm not Iron Man anymore I've got a daughter like I'm not Iron Man and then at the end of the movie when he says I'm Iron Man like there's connective tissue inside the movie right there. Yeah. But, so aside from the time travel stuff, the the Voimir stuff, that's that's what gets me. Yeah, but I also feel like uh, Joss Whedon writes uh, women worse than the Russo brothers because. Cause, cause like the way he writes like a uh, black widow, it's always, it always feels like she's the girl. Right. But it, when, whenever like the Russo brothers have to like write up. Uh or have to, like, Wanda, I, I think she's improved in, like, Civil War. I think she has, but also we, we lost the fact that her coolest powers, the mind-fuck powers, are gone, and I wanted her to do that to Thanos so bad when she was grabbing him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that would have been so much I mean, she had a badass moment where she's like, you took everything! I don't know who you even are. And yeah, she, she but, like, like she oh. didn't feel threatening to me at all because she was so much more threatening in Ultron when she was giving everyone these hallucinations. But to push back on the Whedon thing a little bit, because I hear that argument a lot, and I will not, like, say he's great at... I'm, a, I'm still a white dude. Like, what can I say? But one, Scarlett Johansson credits him a lot with the development of her as a standout, independent, strong female character. And two, the one moment that people say, uh, like, really totally invalidates his writing of her is this moment in Ultron where she says, I'm infertile, so I'm a monster. And I have a friend of mine who is infertile. And when she watched that movie, she was like, holy fuck, that's exactly what it feels like, regardless of what anyone says. Like, that is that is how horrible that feels and invalidates you as a person. No, ab- absol- absolutely, but, like, I-, I feel like I feel like the way it was handled, the way it was framed, doesn't quite land. I agree, and I think that's where, where Ultron got messy and why the way that they write Endgame works, because we get so many great beats in that movie. I think it would have been even more satisfying if they if they took a bigger risk, but how can I complain about that with all the fucking risks they took as it is? They chopped off Thanos' head in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, no, that was that Yeah. No, no. It, that was ballsy. It was it was crazy in that like uh, for the entire movie I thought, you know, they were gonna go back in time and stop the snap from happening, but no, they like kept five it. years passed and people and like you know they bring everyone back but like those five years still happen they still have to deal with the consequences and i'm like wow that that is the thing that i really loved about this movie is this is the first marvel movie since winter soldier where i felt like there are consequences to this yeah we're like this this changes my understanding of the universe in a meaningful way and i absolutely love that about this movie and I got really emotional at the Return of the King style final battle when all the people walked in through the sling ring portals Yo. at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, I miss you all so much. I can't wait until, uh, you know, they actually, the movie is released on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then people put at that scene where everyone walks in to X going to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. And I can't wait. No, no, like when, like, you know, Cap was standing there all alone. And like uh, you hear like 
Falcon Cop Cop, and I'm like, because yeah, I, I like, recognize it as as Falcon it right sounded away. Like it wasn't uh in the movie, right? And then you hear it again, but this time Cop on your left. I'm like, wait, no, they they, they played the emotion of that moment so well. That was mm-hmm. it was the most fan servicey part of the movie. Even more fan servicey than I think my favorite moment in the movie is when Captain America is fighting past Captain America and past Captain America says, I can do this all day. And Captain America says, Yeah, I know. God. <laughs> and it's just the movie sort of like looking at the other movies being like, God, I was so fucking corny. Like uh, I like the so, part where he like looks at his past self's ass and is like That is America's so ass. <laughs> We are getting close to the end of time, but I do want to know what you guys think of the, how they handle Captain America at the very I end. I thought it was beautiful. It, to me, and the movie references Star Trek, and Kevin Feige has come out and said that the series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation is when... Yeah, no, uh, I, I get that vibe from this. Yeah, this movie felt like like if someone... It felt like Star Trek fans saying, here's how we take <laughs> these stories and put it into something that people want to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, no. That, no, that ending, it, it felt not just like a good way to end his character. It felt fun from a plot perspective. Mm-hmm. And given how ambiguous the time travel is, it's like, does this retcon the other movies? Is this a splinter timeline or did it overwrite the reality? Like what what is actually happening? So it makes you think on a technical level and on a personal level. It was so nice that the last shot of the movie is Cap and Peggy kissing in the 19-fucking-50s. Like, like, like in, 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 in the first Captain America movie, he tells Peggy, uh, I get... Uh, tell, he promises Peggy that, you know, after his last they mission, they dance and they never have that dance. And but now, now they, they have it. that dance and it's like, yep. yeah. And it's no, it was great. And I think the point I want to end on is the I think since the end of the first Captain America movie, Captain America hasn't really grown. He's he's sort of changed, but he's always been the same character. He's been like on duty this whole time. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Cap's, and we Cap's, finally see him out of duty. <laughs> yeah, Cap's character is base, is like it's not about a character arc, but so much. Him keeping his character. Yes. Him, yeah, yep. keeping, yeah. And, uh, and, and in uh, the... I want to leave it up, or I want to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that moment when, like, Sam's talking to Cap, I'm, like, realizing what's about to happen. I'm like, oh, shit. Because here's the thing. Everyone, like, was Everyone thinking, thought Bucky. Everyone thought Bucky was going to become the next Captain America. But, like, I had, I I guessed that Sam was going to become the next Captain America. Because Sam Wilson, uh, the Captain America, currently... Yeah, recently, for a few years. Yeah, for was for a few years, Captain America in the comics. And I'm like, oh, I'm right! Yeah! <laughs> Called it! Those feel-good moments. I think we could talk about this for so much longer. But um, we're going to wrap it here. We might actually have some some more stuff. Um, so f- uh, welcome back to those of you who skipped the spoiler discussion. Sorry about that. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I think if you want to hear more about Endgame from us, I think Jeff is planning a conversation where we specifically talk about time travel. And I think that's going to be fun because Far From Home, Zendaya posted like on Instagram this weekend, Zendaya who plays MJ in Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. <laughs> She is a picture of her crying, and it says, my react is like, I just saw Endgame, and now I'm freaking out based on what I know from the next Spider-Man movie, and I'm like, what the fuck is gonna happen? Duh, so, like, we're still gonna get answers like about this timeline. Throwing the world into panic. Yeah, I'm so excited to see that resolve, and I think the speculation's gonna be fun. But I think that that wraps it up for our Endgame conversation. Uh, brief though it may have been, uh, it is fun to geek out about this. I've been wallowing in my own thoughts for, like, six days, so it's nice to to yep. talk about it with someone. Yep. Literally, I texted Colin the next day. I was like, tell me your thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't get my essay. All that Ultron stuff I said, I typed that to Pat in like a 15-message essay that was disgusting.
we are going to uh, wrap up the episode with a, with a very quick rating section where we try to determine the top story for the month, but with a movie that just made over a billion dollars in five days, I think and, like, that... And, uh, like, completes a, like, 13-year saga. And, and like, is, like, really critically well-received to a surprising degree for a blockbuster of this magnitude. Um, I think Avengers Endgame gets a top spot. It is the top story for April. In a lot of ways, it's the top story for a long time. Uh, whether or not you I like agree, the movie... But the close second will go to the Trader Llama from the <laughs> So yeah, let's figure out the runner-up. Uh, so this is a sort of loose voting system. You can change your vote. I think it should be us working together to agree on a top story. Um, I, recommend, I, I encourage you to vote for something that's not yours, but if you think yours is really that good, go ahead and vote for it. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to cast my vote for runner-up for April to be um, I just like that. <laughs> thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the picture, Matt. That's be- that's actually amazing. I love that. Um, no, Chowder, your story about um, the the workplace issues at Riot. I think following that, this yes. this, this stuff yeah. at uh, Rockstar, Epic, um, Riot, and Bioware has been fascinating. It is it is so nice to see people starting to like come together and support. There've been calls for the game industry to unionize. I think that's a good idea because shit like this keeps happening. And as a patron of video games. Like, I want conflict-free video games. I want to support yeah. this industry and support the artists and people who love making this stuff. I want to enjoy it. And it stinks to know that, like, I could be contributing to stuff like that. And the more we know about it, the more we talk about it. I think it, it I is think a very, very important, important thing so. to, you know, talk about. And I, I do love the llama, but I do agree. I think that is incredibly important to keep this in the forefront of our minds. <laughs> <laughs> so Avengers Endgame, most important. Workplace abuse, <laughs> second most important. This is America. Yeah. And this is America's llama. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is America's ass. <laughs> <laughs> that is America's ass. Alright, Chowder, what you uh what's your what's your vote for uh, runner up? My vote goes to I'm not gonna vote for myself because that seems like a dick move. Uh, you can do that. I, I know I can do that, but it still feels like you're uh, good guy chowder over here. <laughs> uh I give my vote to uh Star Trek Discovery because yeah, no, that sounds interesting. They're now in the future of the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Because <laughs> the stuff we have known for twenty yeah, years. Yeah, so so I'm, that does sound interesting and I kinda wanna see what uh a modern Star Trek's take on what the future looks like will look like, yeah. Yeah, not like dealing in the politics of like established canon, but using imagination to like give us new morality plays and give us new projections of our current course. Basically I, I doing what they did back in the 60s when they first created it. Yeah. Exactly, back in the 60s which, when they were Which was, I like, can appreciate. And what they did, what, and then what they did again in Next Generation, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm very, I'm pleased with it as well. And I'm hoping for the people who have poo-pooed on Discovery so far, I hope this entices them. It makes me excited as a fan. Instead of being like, what new references am I going to get next year? It's like, I have no idea what's coming, and that's great. But the llama comes so close. <laughs> the llama. There's a llama trailing behind each one of these stories. Courier llamas are delivering these stories to each of you. Each podcast you listen to is hand hoof delivered to your phone and ears by an Afghan covered block llama. <laughs> these this these are the bones of the Common Geeky program and they are unionizing against us because we have not washed their blankets and they're very upset. Okay, this needs to stop. It does. <laughs> I'm I'm not getting a lot of yes and and I'm drowning in my own joke. Thank you for listening to the Common Briefing program. Uh, so we do this once a month to recap the previous month. 
uh, we share a feed with the proper Common Geeking Program podcast, which airs every other week. So a week from today, uh, today is what, May 3rd? I think this is coming out on May 3rd. Take a look. Yes, May 3rd. So on the 10th of May, you can uh, get another episode of our book club podcast. Uh, We have some plans for some new stuff coming out soon. That'll be exciting. We're going to make some changes. Every six months, I realize we sort of do some stuff. But that about wraps it up. Thank you for listening. I am Colin Ketchin, and you can find me at Sana Colin K on Twitter and other places. I have been joined by... Hi, I'm Timel Chaudhary, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. And you can find me on Twitter, at Timel Chaudhary. You can see how that's spelled in the description. And I spell it right now after several years, so <laughs> it works. Uh, Cat Manavan, how about you? Hello. Um, hi, I just wanted to send this. <laughs> it's the llama, but he has With a creeper, creeper blanket. blanket. What? That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, also, hi, this is Matt Canavan. Uh, I'm not on social media. Don't worry about it. You can find Matt Canavan on the side of the road corralling an army of llamas to distribute our content. Uh, be sure to tune in on the first Friday of every month for a new common briefing program or the other Friday for common geeking program. Thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing everything, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Ciao. Durr. <laughs> I did it, finally. <laughs> I've never done that before. Okay, I'm good. <laughs>In a week, you'll get another episode of the Common Geeking Program, our book club for geek culture. And the first Friday of every month, you'll get a recap of the month prior. So on the first Friday of June, we'll be back with more to brief your programs. Thank you for listening to this. Your mic is, is above your head. Is that going to be a problem? Sorry? Your gaming mic is above your head. That's not what you're recording through, no. right? Okay, thank God. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. But why did it sound awful? No, I'm just seeing it now. I'm like, oh, no. Sorry. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. it's no, it's fine. It's my, it's my bad. I just wanted to make sure. Um, no, sorry. Continue, Riot.